everyone, and welcome to The Higher Estate. Uh, my name is Dr. Ira Price, and this is where we talk about everything related to cannabis. We bridge the gap between the medical and the lifestyle worlds. But right now, it's uh, it's a little different. I haven't been around probably since September, um, mainly because I was coughing, and hopefully it wasn't COVID. The truth is, I think I may have had it, but I mean, that was back in October. I don't know if it was even around, but it took me three months to get over uh, a really bad uh, cough that I have, and I don't really have it anymore. So <clears throat> thankfully, I'm healthy, and uh, we're coming back, and uh, we're coming back with a with, with a vengeance now. We'll be uh, every week on Wednesday, hopefully 3 to 4.20 if we can't do it at that time because I will be in the hospital working in the emergency departments then uh, – uh, we'll figure out a time on Wednesday so that everybody can watch. We have a really good show, though. And um, the way that we're coming back, just quickly talk about our format. We're going to still uh, we're still going to do uh, um, our, our guests that we always have on. Um, and we're going to have a theme by a month. And uh, then also we may or may not review uh, a cannabis article using the bullshit meter uh, that we were using previously. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and I will probably be swearing as I usually fucking do. Uh, and But uh, hopefully my mom won't be listening. And uh, I don't have the swear jar here. It is still at the, uh, at the clinics. So... Let's get started. Um, we do have a new uh, co-host, everyone, and that's uh, Janelle. What's up, Janelle? Hey, happy to be here. Thanks so much, uh, and can't wait to uh, to work with you. We're going to be working together at Cannabis Wiki, and we're going to be working with uh, uh, Derek is in there, too, somewhere in the background. He's pr producing the whole show, which is awesome. And, uh, and we're going to be doing PR, doing a whole bunch of things, and Janelle's going to talk a little bit about that. But uh, and then our guest today, who's an awesome human I've known for a couple of years now, uh, his name is Gerald Major. He is the president of CFAM, which is Canadians for Fair Access to Medical Marijuana. Um, and uh, uh, we're going to have him talk about his story, how he got into the whole thing. And uh, what's up, Gerald? Good, man. How you doing? Glad, glad, glad to uh, that you're here and glad to have you. Yeah, man. So uh, that's basically what we're going to do today uh when we start talking about the news janelle's going to get into the news but first let's go to covid corner because uh right now we're in uh well as derek says we're in uncertain times and uh uh we're all actually podcasting from a distance now this is all virtual usually we're so used to being in a studio or in our clinics and now we're all in our homes or wherever we happen to be and uh uh, this it's the new it's the new way and thankfully we have uh, Derek to thank for the whole platform that's able to bring us all together um, but I literally just got off the phone with uh, we had a two-hour meeting with our hospital so aside from working with cannabis as you know I'm an eMERGE doc and uh, I work here in Hamilton at the uh, at our trauma center and our cancer center <clears throat> excuse me and we're uh and we have updates. We used to be monthly. Now we're doing weekly meetings because uh, we're preparing for the surge. Uh, what I can say, you know, just on, on a light note and on a happy note is uh, we Ontario, or at least Hamilton, I could talk about Hamilton in particular, uh, Hamiltonians have been listening to, uh, to the social distancing, or let's call it physical distancing, because we should yeah. socially still be connecting, yeah. uh, you know. We were expecting to see the surge already, and uh, and we're flattening that curve, I think. So we're still 
we're still a week away from it, which is great. And uh, we are still we are seeing cases come in. We're seeing more cases than we had in the week before and the week before that. But it's still not overwhelming. Our capacity to care for uh, the patients that do come in is still there. <clears throat> and uh, and right now we're still prepping. Uh, and that's uh, and that's really good. Uh, unlike some cities, like if you look in states in the U.S., like New York or uh, um, um, Seattle and uh, all these places, you know, like there's uh, they're they're getting overrun, but uh, we t- we're we're doing okay. Uh, yesterday, Mississauga came out with uh, their um, well, the Trillium had a they announced that they had an outbreak. They had about 20, 20 patients now on a ward, I think that uh, that have it, and a whole bunch of uh, healthcare uh, practitioners and healthcare workers that are, uh, that are infected and at home sick. Uh, but still guys, I think, uh, the key here is social ice, uh, social distancing or physical distancing, uh, is still key right now. I just read an article that, uh, likely this is going to ha- happen. We're going to have to do this until July, uh, is what the government is saying. Hold on. Let me see. I think that's what it says. Yes. It's till July. I think the, um, Trudeau just came out likely at best case, uh, I was thinking June, but uh, I think July is probably more realistic to uh, to to see what's going on. So we just have to stay strong, stay together, stay mindful, and I think we're going to be just fine. So, uh, uh, well, I don't. It's going to be a tough couple months, that's for sure. I mean, people are starting to lose their shit. I'm losing my shit, and for those who have kids at home, I don't know what you're doing yeah. with them, but like, I need more activities. So, like. Do me a favor. Let me know. <laughs> right. <clears throat> All right. So um, let's get into it. Uh, let's start with our uh, let's start with our guest, Gerald. I'm really happy to have you here. Yeah, I love talking to you, man. There's so much uh, every single time we meet, we catch up on uh, everything patient and physician. I mean, I get more value a lot of times just out of the conferences and uh, my network than I do through the actual healthcare system. So good on you for doing what you do, buddy. Thanks. It's, uh, sometimes it's, it's like, it, it's, t- it's fucking tough, you know, like sitting between two worlds, uh, you know, I come from the community and I am the community and the community looks at me like I'm too medical. And then the medical world looks at me like I'm too community. Yeah. And so it's a tough, it's a tough place to sit, but I appreciate that. And I'm it's really glad a to have a place to sit, right? I mean, right. we've been given a big opportunity here with Cannabis Wiki to have a platform where, I mean, I, I sit on five, six different boards in the last five years in healthcare, and um, there's a lot of room for individual advocacy, um, especially when we've got a platform like this. So we're going to make good use of it. Yeah, I'm certainly glad we, we have this platform. It- it kind of uh, it also alleviates a lot of the uh, the stress in how are we going to disseminate our information? How are we going to get it out there? And having a platform, and you know, especially at a time like this where we are physically distancing from each other and can't go anywhere, Cannabis Wiki has stepped into uh, uh, and stepped up to the plate and is really providing an awesome platform. So uh, we're really lucky. Today, I want to talk to you about a whole bunch of shit. I want to talk to you about you know how did you get into medical cannabis why did you what brought you to cannabis we'll talk about some opioid stuff and talk about what you do all together but you know first just like who are you how did you how, <laughs> what brought you to fucking cfam what like what brought you there 
Uh, so, um, you know, I got ankylosing spondylitis, which was also psoriatic arthritis at 14 years old, right? So I went through my university days. I actually didn't finish my university career. Um, I'm three electives short or two electives short and a bunch of practicums. I was going for kinesiology. Uh, I was an athlete. All that stuff got stripped away from me. Fast forward, I made it through the young adult years where suicide risk in, in young men with psoriatic arthritis and psoriasis it should be a nat national health crisis. I uh, made it through that. Started. Um, I was working at AGF, which became Citibank. Then I moved uh, three, 300 jobs, which is probably now th hundreds of thousands of jobs out to uh, India. On behalf of Citibank, uh, that was nine months. I found Ayurvedic therapy. I found out that diet and exercise are helping me a lot more than anything else. And I found out that stress um, was basically gasoline on inflammation. So then, uh, you know, I started having surgeries. Um, I got taken out of work about uh, 10, let me, 12 can, years Let me ago. ask you a question. Hold on. So first of all, where did you do kin? I did kin at York. That was where I did my undergrad. Yeah, I did at York. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I uh, really love that. I love that program. Um, I I started in '96 or '97, the first year they had kin. It what was year the, were you born? So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm 72, uh, so we're, we're oh we're, yeah, you know you're older than I am. I, I'm 78, so. Uh, yeah, it got better after we left. It got a lot better. But um, yeah, the kinesiology at York University. I stayed at, uh, I was Bethune College. I stayed on res second, yeah. third, fourth year. I was Founders College. I uh, I, um, I remember they just fuck. Oh, what a crazy story. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt a sec. We're going to get back to you. But when yeah. I started, it's funny. It, it used to be called phys ed. And then they changed it to kinesiology the year that I got in. And I'm like, what the fuck is kid? I don't know that it was the, I'm going to call the bullshit sector no, right now because sorry. I'm not sure it was when you got there. Because if I'm older than you, it was kinesiology certainly when I was there. It didn't start kin until 96. Huh, it was anyway. called phys ed. I'll show you my, uh, I'll show you my All right. grades. <laughs> I want to I see what it says kin on there because it was the year that I got in. But oh, okay, that's fine. All right. Well, I don't think so, but we'll we'll go back to that. Anyway, all right. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Get a one on the bullshit detector, meaning it's yeah, complete bullshit. I don't think it's complete bullshit. I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure it was the year that I got in because I thought I, I would never have taken a course called kinesiology because I wouldn't have known what the fuck it was then. <laughs> Be like, in what? I okay, thought I was so taking. Let's let's bet you owe me a free surgery if you're capable of doing it at any point in time. I can call you up and I get in quick. I'll try to connect you with an orthopod who can do your surgery quickly because you don't want me doing your feet. I've got I, – I need to know if I land in a situation where I need you to do surgery, then it needs to be right like that. I can't do surgery. I mean, what do you want me to cut your toes off? I, I okay, do that, well, yo. You'll take care of me if, if cancer comes a-knocking. That I can do, but hopefully that won't happen. If you need a sports medicine physician or an eMERGE doc or a coroner – or, uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully you don't need the coroner. <laughs> I can help you with that. Hey, I'll come first to your house when you need a coroner. How about that? Actually, you know what? You're doing enough for me on opioids. So, uh, and you're doing enough for everyone else on opioids. So you're, uh, that, that's, uh, I mean, you're wrong on this one, but, uh, I'll give it. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see. I want to see that. I want, I honestly, I want, I'm going to Google. Could somebody Google when did phys ed turn to kin at York? 
Let's see how that goes. Um, yeah, Janelle, look that up. I will. Okay, let's go back to uh, psoriatic arthritis. Yeah. Uh, what is psoriatic arthritis? You know, so I know you said you were diagnosed at 14. That's pretty early to be diagnosed, uh, and it is it's super painful, uh, inflammatory. To talk about it, what is what is psoriatic arthritis for people that may not know? Yeah, I'll breeze through it quick, and then I mean, it's important for me to have healthcare professionals actually kind of validate what I'm saying. So then you can flip back and do the same for me. But I mean, within arthritis, uh, you know, there's some some say 400 different types of arthritis, which is inflammation. So this is all autoimmune for me. It's the uh, it's the inflammatory arthritis. So there's a little bucket in there that's very complex. That's called spondyloarthritis. Short name, uh, the acronym for it is SPA, but is certainly not a SPA. Um, I have ankylosing spondylitis and psoriatic arthritis both, which is peripheral uh, inflammation and back uh, inflammation. Uh, with the inflammation comes risk of heart attack, stroke, um, and then I log 14 different comorbidities within uh, that are complications in that very complex form of arthritis. So you look at my hands, are all tweaked. Right. Wow. Right. So, I mean, I've had 16 surgeries in, in my life. Uh, Ten of those at least are um, joint replacements, major surgeries. And then um, I've also I've, I've got iritis. It's actually flaring now. And I've had my um, I've had a lens put in already. So I'm getting the surgeries that, you know, 60, 70, 80 year old people are getting. Wow. Janelle, what was that? I was saying, wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's an autoimmune disorder that uh, basically your 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 own system uh, attacks um, certain parts of your body and causes significant inflammation and arthritis. It's an inflammatory arthritis, and it can infect one joint, two joints, all joints, and causes deformity of bones and uh, and severe pain. And then it also causes like external uh, uh, manifestations, like your skin. Right, you get those silver patch silver uh, patches um, yes. on your skin and the psoriasis and those patches uh, those are significant as well I've actually seen CBD <clears throat> oil significantly yes. improve mm -hmm. psoriatic arthritis we had an eMERGE doc actually um, uh, that I was out for dinner with once uh, probably about maybe it was last summer <clears throat> and uh, he was telling me, these are guys that laughed at me for about a decade uh, from what I was doing. And he's like, you know what? I was at this uh, wellness thing and somebody threw at me this ointment and I stuck it on my knees because he suffers severe uh, uh, psoriatic arthritis uh, from, sorry, severe psoriasis. And, uh, and he put it on his knees. He said it's the first time in 20 years he's ever seen his knees. Listen, man, I've been, so this is mine. Every patient's different, as you know, but uh, I'm a topical guy. I've been using topicals for probably eight years. I use whatever people give to me, quite honestly. Um, and I'm a bit different where topicals don't really get to my joint pain all that much. Um, right. But, you know, there's other methods and ways to get that in. But specifically around topicals for psoriasis and certainly, I mean, 16 surgeries. I put it on all my scars all the way through. I mean, my shoulder replacement, you can't even tell. Is yeah. this all related to psoriatic arthritis? You've had all of these, you've had all these surgeries because of the psoriasis. Because what? of the psoriatic arthritis. Psoriatic arthritis, yeah. 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 
Wow. So, wait, but How the did it start? On, on my scars, oh. on, on my yeah. feet, on my psoriasis, on my feet, psoriasis gets very itchy. I'm one of the lucky ones that doesn't have it like 95% of my body, but I've got it on all my toes. I've got it um, sometimes in the uh, gen there's genital uh, psoriasis as well. There's all different forms of that. Um, but uh, anyway, I've, I saw Dr. Uh, Vendor over at 25 Charlton and got checked out uh, three, four months ago. Um, so I'm all good. But uh, the THC specifically for me uh, gets to the itch. Really? So you use it? You use THC topically to uh, help both THC and CBD, both topically. And and your does it help? Do you get patches? Do you have patchy arthritis, or is it more the arthritis? I have patchy psoriasis. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, none actually on my. I keep my head pretty good. Actually, uh, my elbows are are fairly good as well. It's usually extensor surfaces, so like, and you'll see it on joints and extensor surfaces, shins, wow. things like that. Right. And so you use uh, use topicals, and it helps with the. I, uh, use, I use cannabis topicals. I moisturize all the time. I'm like, um, you know, I'm I'm very. My my daughter calls me lotion man when I go on cruises because I just empty these containers. Um, nothing beats, you know, psoriasis or skin conditions like keeping it moist, moist, right? Right now with winter. Um, I struggle a lot through these times, but I got a sauna and steam room downstairs that I'm pretty active in. Um, it's a condo though, so it's closed right it's now. It's tough life, eh? Fuck. It, you know what, man? Like we're living <laughs> in this condo right now because of my disability. Yeah. Because I don't do stairs anymore. I don't cut grass. I don't shovel. I don't do any of that stuff. I mean, I've put my wife and family through hell. Uh, we can transition into the opioid crisis, but five years ago, six years ago, I was on 700 milligrams of opioids a day, and I was a senior vice president at Citibank making financial decisions easily at two, three, four, five hundred uh, before I left there. So let I do want to go back to what brought you to CFAM. I won't forget about that. I want to talk about Expedition Wellness as well. And we'll get to that. But if we're, we're moving into this now, can you, actually, Derek, can you bring up that uh, that medication, um, that photo of his medications? So <clears throat> psoriatic arthritis is so painful. It, I mean, it affects every part of your body, of course. Like, uh, you know, even your mental health is affected significantly. Well, look, you just mentioned that, you know, put your family you know what it did to your family and you can't get upstairs anymore you, anymore your all your activities of daily living have been affected but you have to take multiple medications yeah in order to decrease the uh, inflammation and i think something we have to recognize even in the cannabis space that's really important and in the plant based medicine space and when we're talking about more than just cannabis is that there's no one medication that's going to help every single person and yeah and 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 that and and people that are out there say, judging people, you know, in the cannabis space that are saying, you know, you're using more than cannabis or you're taking all these other drugs and blah, blah, blah. I don't think they have a fucking understanding of what you go no, through on a daily they basis. They don't. Um, and so, and, single, and so yeah, go ahead. tell me about these medications. Every single person, every single patient has their own level of threshold on whatever it is. Okay. The lineup of medications that's sitting there. I will not say a bad thing about anyone that's ever prescribed any of those things during the time when they prescribed them to me. Um, my, my whole thing was I would rather die than live like this. 
right? So when we put up those list of medications, I mean, that's, I've, I've changed a few from that list, but I mean, I'm, I'm very aware of what happens in my body. So if something's not working, I just don't keep taking it. We had a big um, de-prescribing uh, initiative a few years ago and stuff like that. But a lot of these things, I can't wait for healthcare. Patients can't wait for healthcare. I'm sorry to catch up. Um, we got to do it ourselves in a lot of ways. Um, so the well, that's an important there, point. The, the medications there, I mean, Remicade right now is a biologic, and we're two, three years out of patent right now. We're still paying full price for it. We're trying to do national pharmacare, and I'm, I've got $110,000 of pharmaceutical drugs. Um, on there as well, one that was missed for a long time from rheumatology is that how do you expect a young man like me to be going through chronic illness, chronic fatigue, um, opioids, and think that my testosterone is firing? I mean, come right. on. So I got Delatestral in there from Dr. Comer. Um, I've got Love some, Dr. Comer. Everybody's yeah, a fan of it. Yeah, he's he's a genius, by the of way. Of course he is, right? And and Love so this is the type of stuff, doctor, that I get to visit you. I get to visit Comer. You know how long it took me to find Comer? Seven years, man. Yeah, me too. I went to an endocrinologist and I was prescribed testosterone replacement therapy. He gave me 25 milligrams every two weeks. And when I walked into Comer's office a year later after being on that treatment, I was in Comer's bottom 2%. Yeah. And I was, my, uh, I was busting my ass at the gym and going like, I can't live like this, man. This is, I have no energy and I'm still doing this. So anyway, Delatestral's there. I mean, sleep CPAP, the, C, the sleep apnea machine, I got misdiagnosed, never called back. Uh, so I was seven years untreated constantly complaining about fatigue. So the CPAP's not on that thing. I just got off prednisone um, probably about two, three months ago. I was on that for about 15, 20 years. Prednisone and uh, naproxen and um, I mean, these are all things that uh, didn't allow me to have children, but you're right. gonna ask some questions now, go ahead. So, I mean, there's a couple of things that you mentioned in there that were, uh, that were really, you know, that, that caught my attention. And the first thing you said was that, you know, medicine is behind and, and we can't wait for medicine to start treating us because we're going to miss, you're going to miss the boat. You know, I, fuck, I'm dealing with that right now in COVID where I have people, uh, you know, we have, we have the medical world saying this treatment doesn't have evidence. This treatment doesn't have evidence. And I'm like, I'm giving them the David Suzuki, uh, uh, um, analogy. The dude used to walk outside while it was fucking raining, put an umbrella up and say, folks, it's raining. You know, for the people inside, you know, it's raining. And, and there's still people inside saying, ah, it's not raining. It's not right. Like, you know, you have the guy standing outside telling you it's raining and you can see the rain. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, so people just live in that world of denial. Uh, not only that, I mean, we don't always have we don't have the time to wait. And, uh, you know, even pandemics, we definitely don't like we're dealing with right now, but also when it comes to you treating yourself, I think one of the most important things we can remember as practitioners that what I've learned from you and from patients like yourself is that <clears throat> we may not have all the answers and my goal isn't to tell you what to take, but my goal is to facilitate and act as a, uh, uh, yep. act in, in collaboration with my patient in order to facilitate their treatment of themselves, yeah, right? We, we're uh, empowering patients to treat themselves is far more effective than me telling you this, like, you know, here, take this pill or don't talk to me again. That does you know, that we have to find a balance between 
uh, standardization and individualization yeah. uh, when it comes to medicine, right? Yeah, Janelle's hot on that topic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you got to say about that? It makes a lot of sense because when you just kind of tell somebody like, hey, this is a medication you need to take, there's your prescription, go fill it. I find that there's a lack of understanding. Um, I have a brother-in-law who, you know, he's on a, a plethora of meds and he actually battles with himself over whether he should take them or not because a lot of times he doesn't even understand what he's taking, right? So he doesn't know whether the medication is doing more harm than it is doing good. And then you have to have those conversations where you have to like sit down and you have to fully explain. And I think that's what is lacking a lot of the times that people don't even understand what they're taking, the effects or anything like that. And they, I think it's become so mechanical, like here, your prescription, just go to the pharmacy. Right. Pharmacist will tell you, take it three times a day, every six hours, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And there is just, like I said, that lack of letting people know, like, this is the medication. This is specifically what it might do. This is the potential side effects. If this happens, blah, 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 blah. And like, even myself, I've gotten medication before. I never had those in-depth conversations. And then sometimes you get a side effect and then you start, you're like, what, what's happening? Then you yeah. start Googling and you end up down a rabbit hole. And you're like, if only I had known more about this, I might've approached it a little bit differently. Which is why I so, I mean, that's, it's so appreciated. The, the collaboration and the team approach is really like, is really what I've learned over the last decade working with cannabis. It's what cannabis has taught me dealing with patients like that. And it, it's be, you, certainly if you just give somebody a medicine that happens most of the time, how many patients come back to us and be like, I have no idea what I was just told. And I'm just taking this yep. pill. They come into the emergency department most of the time with some sort of weird ass side effect because they had no idea what they were taking. So it takes advocacy groups and patients advocacy groups to actually make these things known and I think I think that's the the huge role of a patient advocacy group is know your medicine and treat yourself now in collaboration I'm not saying throw away the doctor you still need the physician who has that knowledge and experience and education treating thousands of patients and but at the same time you're an individual and your body should be treated as such and not with, you know, here's the standard, take this and da, 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 da. So we have to find that healthy medium. And that's sort of what I think uh, one of the roles is perhaps of CFAM. Tell me what, you know, let's go back, uh, Gerald, tell me what it is that CFAM is doing right now. Yeah. So just, I mean, I, I think we were going to say like, how did you get involved? So I'll just quickly touch on yeah. that. Um, I jumped into advocacy as soon as I started getting better and started to work towards a path. Uh, I left work and um, I started working on my physical right away because I had neglected that for a number of years. And then I and then I tried the next year after the next surgery, I tried to piece in the mental. And then the next year after that, I tried to throw them all together. And when I was doing the mental is when I got into advocacy. So um, I did a cannonball, big, big belly flop into the cannabis can, or the advocacy world. And I ended up on uh, five different boards pretty quick. Uh, CFAM was the last uh, group that I found in the, in that group, and it was because I went through all these groups and and quickly found out no one was touching cannabis five six years ago when dins were they're having the din conversation back then when I was about to blow my head off. And yeah, I so, heard. Um, so anyway, I mean, I I, I ended up finding uh, 
CFAM through the Best Medicine Coalition. I was, and, and that's a group that's, it's a coalition of a bunch of different patient groups that advocate for medication access, no matter what it is. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so what about cannabis on this agenda and the DIN conversation? So I found CFAM. So CFAM uh, and any other grassroots patient organization, um, CFAM right now, currently we're going through a rebranding that we're pretty excited about. We've got some funds that are committed uh, that are in the COVID mail. And um, so we're, we're getting really excited to uh, relaunch, rebrand. We started as an, uh, as an access group uh, 2014. We we're having issues with access and stuff. So um, in the last year, we've kind of reflected. We've done a, uh, a deep dive on strategy. And we've said, okay, well, we've got access. It's not perfect. We're going to still remain focused on some things, but we're really uh, looking towards education and, and research and empowering patients. I mean, what we just talked about here was, you know, you know, a lot of things where you've got like COVID, for example, right now, I happen to, I, I, I had a really hard time adjusting to it and getting into a routine. But now that I'm here, I actually like it better. I'm a patient. I don't like to drive places. I don't like to drive in cars. I have arthritis. I want to be doing this kind of stuff. And I mean, I don't have to be in the studio right now. So it's actually kind of perfect. But also, the fact that we've been so long coming to cannabis uh, as a medicine has allowed has has basically made it essential for the cannabis uh, consumer, the cannabis patient, uh, to be very very empowered and very very um, in tune with this medicine because no one's ever supported them. So what we're going to be able to do now is transport some of that knowledge and empowerment from cannabis and bring it over into, you know, patients in general. So there's some good things here, but CFAM right now, I mean, we just, um, we just put in through an, a petition early last week before we found out about essential services. Uh, we're still waiting for federally uh, uh, confirmation that it's deemed a, uh, an essential service, which it's a long way coming from it being illegal not too long ago. Um, yeah, it seems pretty crazy that, you know, just, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Just like uh, even just two years ago, fuck, from when we started years yeah. and years ago, where you couldn't even talk about it to being deemed an essential service yeah. is a huge, a huge flip. And I think that goes to talk about the nature of what cannabis has done for people. And again, I bring it back to the Suzuki, David Suzuki experiment. You know, it's people are we may not have all of the uh, the double blind randomized control trials showing the benefit of it in this very specific population, or maybe people just don't want to publish that data. Um, I know people, by the way, in the U.S. that are that have, uh, and maybe I'll be able to get you know, some of them on here, that have tremendous amounts of data that they just don't want to publish right now because they can't still in certain parts of the U.S. Yeah, because wow. um, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, but we could talk specifically around sleep and, and uh, huge, huge trials that they've that they've Let's been see. doing for the last couple of years. Sleep Hold on, so yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. So sorry, I just so I, I just see. Fuck it, I already forgot what I was gonna say. Go on. <laughs> sleep is so important. Listen, sleep is so important. It's the one thing that crosses all disease areas. If you improve your sleep, you do. It, it's so amazing. It, it for sure does. Uh, yeah, I mean, sleep is like. Uh, you know, people come in with depression and I'm like, well, why do you think you're depressed? You're not sleeping. It's not depression. It's your lack of sleep. Your depression will dissolve as soon as you sleep. It's like right. we're fucking, you know, energizer bunnies. You got to be recharged. 
if we don't recharge ourselves, it's not going to work. So tell me something aside from, so what we were talking about, what brought you to CFM? What was it like growing up with psoriatic arthritis and, uh, and what were your symptoms of psoriatic arthritis? Um, I mean, I didn't get diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis, although I had it uh, until in my, into my 20s or 30s. Uh, they thought it was uh, ankylosing spondylitis all along. Um, really? So, I mean, um, my knees blew up. It was the first thing to go in my teens. I was playing hockey. I was taping my uh, knees with tensor bandages probably from 13, 12, 13, 14 on. I just wow. felt they gave me more stability. And then, okay, I mean, like you, dude, you can imagine what it was like living with this horrible disease when you're, when your A-type personality, your, your career is set. I mean, I was, I was in line to uh, managing director Citibank. I mean, that's, that's a big role. And that's when you can kind of, you know, watch and monitor and travel around, not just grind. Um, but I mean, it was, it was horrible. I mean, Susan Bartlett, if you know her over in uh, Montreal, she's a health psychologist. She's the one that yeah. showed me the data on young men with psoriatic arthritis uh, and the suicide uh, risk. And then we did, a, we did a comorbidity survey with the Canadian Spondylitis Association under my leadership. And um, we saw the exact same thing with mental health, depression, anxiety. Um, factored in when you pivot the data and you see psoriatic arthritis compared to all the other ones and then you also overlay that with the filter of psoriasis and if you get both your reporting of comorbidities on mental health and uh, anxiety are through the roof so so it was horrible man and I had to I had to lose my uh, athletic career I had to lose my career career um, but in the blessing in all of this is I couldn't conceive. We, we dumped probably 20 grand into uh, IVF back in the day. And um, now we've adopted our daughter, who's also my uh, wife's second cousin and a product of the opioid crisis. So we're kind of doing full circle you, stuff around here. What do you mean a product of the opioid crisis? Yeah, 18-year-olds uh, got together. Um, mother, birth mother, is um, adopted herself. Uh, didn't get so lucky on the parents back in the day, uh, ended up basically on the streets, um, 18 years old, became pregnant, couldn't support the uh, child, thank God, stayed healthy throughout. It's also my, the birth father is my wife's, my wife's cousin. And, um, and then basically uh, we got the call. Uh, we, were already, wow. we were already in the adoption process. We had already done the uh, international thing. And then we went to India and we kind of shelved it. We came back. That was, when, uh, that was when China was doing the Olympics and a lot of people got stuck in the adoption thing there. So we kind of hung it up for a bit. We came back. We went local and we, we adopted right out of Hamilton uh, Children's Aid. Wow, that's pretty huge. So that, yeah. that's a that's that's huge. And birth mom, birth mom passed away last uh, last year on the opioid crisis. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, the opioid crisis is like is taking a huge fucking toll. We can't forget. I think you know, some we're we're stuck in a pandemic right now of <clears throat> of Corona, of the SARS-CoV-2 uh, outbreak, but. I mean, we can't forget that there's still an opioid pandemic that's killing far more well, people. And can I ask you a question on that? Yeah, fire away. Okay, so you see, you see what's happening, and, and rightfully so right now with the crisis. I think it's been handled pretty well from a Canadian perspective and globally. I think it's needed that we have a common goal right now globally to get together and work on things, and we needed a step back. But 
Why? Um, I mean, the, the numbers are comparable. If Derek's got any type of slides on number of deaths and stuff, like why are we not putting this level of attention on the opioid crisis? It seems like it comes on the six o'clock news uh, two days in a row, and then you don't hear about it again. That's you, so true. You know, sorry, what's that, Chanel? I was agreeing with them. It's so true. It's it's actually a, an amazing question you ask. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about why on a daily basis aren't we thinking about uh, the pandemic of of opioids in the same way that we think of the pandemic of COVID. And I think one of the answers comes down to, because it doesn't affect us kind of picture. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, not a, right? it's not a transmittable disease that affects the affluent. Uh, I mean, it does. Opioids do, but they're there. It's an individual. It starts off, off as an individual issue. And those who aren't addicted to opioids have no fucking clue and have nobody that's affected in their immediate life around it, maybe. And and COVID affects there doesn't care whether you have money or you don't have money, access to drugs, no access to drugs. It, it affects that population. So that population with influence has the ability to make shit happen. And that's really unfortunate. Fuck, when you think about it, I, I just started thinking about it now. I mean, that's it's kind of crazy when you think about it. It's fucking horrible, right? I mean, I'm probably the only one on the line right now that has been up and down the opioid crisis. And by the way, right, when I gave up on healthcare, I, I didn't give up on healthcare. I gave up on the fact that I'm going to have to count on every single one of my doctor to know everything, right? So I had to become the quarterback. Um, but like this opioid thing, man, is rotten, man. You just find one person that has it in their family and that person, mother, father, whatever, they're paralyzed from this yeah. stuff. And yeah. um, I mean, we got to start point. paying attention to that. So, I mean, your your bullshit detector, your show, we've got uh, Expedition Wellness, and um, that's the objective really is to get at an individual advocacy level to raise key issues that are barriers and try to tackle them through this uh, platform instead of, you know, um, the typical advocacy, which is also needed. But this is just another prong here that we can maybe make some movements on some key issues pretty fast. I mean, like CFAM did last week with the help of C3 and George Smitherman and uh, a bunch of groups that got together, SheCan and Ashley, all the collaboration that's happening kind of in the cannabis space on the advocacy groups right now. That's kind of our 2020 mission is collaboration we need to do this together and i mean we were able to slam down this um essential service thing at a time where you know it probably would have taken us you know i mean it's taken us more than 20 years right now to do that so. right yeah i mean fuck i you know thinking about it just really brings you know it, it kind of it just brought a whole new dynamic to what we're going through right now that why you know why is it that we are not giving the same attention to the why is the world not giving the same attention to the opioid pandemic that they have to covid covid is affecting us right now as is the opioid epidemic one is i don't know i i mean one is one is infectious and can infect everybody but i guess so can opioids you so it's, you know that's why that's this is why we're bringing wow. real life here right we're, yeah. we're in real life unscripted 
and we're going to get to these key issues. We're going to ask the questions because, I mean, what's what's happening right now with COVID is actually very remarkable. That uh, how everyone's responding, absolutely, for the most part. And we need to put that same level of due diligence on this crisis, whether you're impacted or not. Yes, I agree. And it's so. Do you, yes, I totally agree with you. Do you think that it's? And I and I think one of the reasons it comes down to the impact COVID can affect. Uh, the well is continues to affect everybody, but so did the opioid crisis. It's just didn't affect the you know the privileged human you know who uh, or you know who had the who has the ability to go and buy PPE. Like I don't like it. There's some major issues that this just brought up, and specifically for me, it just it had me think. And yeah, this is great. We're getting into it raw right now because, you know, we've already committed that we're going to blow this up in a three-part episode or something. Um, I want to mention, eh, at this point in time, that um, I'll mention this because yourself and uh, Philip Lucas from Tilray um, yep. actually were very, very instrumental in actually me um, going on this opioid reduction thing starting it four years ago or so. Um, at times where you would think, okay, maybe I got to give up here. I got another surgery that was a bit more painful. Um, then I'd pop in and I'd see a presentation from either you or Philip, Philippe talking about opioid substitution. And I'm like, bam, I can see that there and I'm doing it. Um, so that was motivation for me. Um, so I want to, I want to blow this thing up uh, and get the appropriate people on the line so that we can maybe make some movement. Well, now that I now that we've we've raised this concern, I, I mean, it's something I'm definitely going to be advocating for because it's it hasn't gone away. We can't forget that the opioid crisis it is a pandemic and it's still there. And I appreciate you telling me that because sometimes we walk out there and we're like, you know, uh, Tilray and Philip Lucas did the topics trial there. Uh, Tilray's opioid. Uh, prescribing practices or whatever the name of that study was it was actually pretty good showed a huge reduction in yep. opioid use and we did the cost I did the cost study the cannabis for opioid substitution therapy and uh, survey uh, which we're trying to get published now um, <clears throat> and showed like uh, an 85 percent reduction uh, in cannabis use um, uh, I, or I should say 85 percent of the patients who filled out the survey had reduced their cannabis um, or sorry had reduced their opioids jeez uh, so these are all things that and like so I really appreciate it because we've been standing out there you know trying to say this for a long time and and it's good to know that there are people out there that are listening and I see the patient advocacy groups that are that are listening now and and you've just brought that to light and that really makes uh, makes me really happy about it so I mean uh, last thing just before we uh, before we move on, uh, you have a, a podcast called Expedition Wellness that's uh, thrown up on Cannabis Wiki as well. Fuck, Cannabis Wiki is everywhere. By the way, anybody, just to let everybody know what Cannabis Wiki is, Cannabis Wiki, uh, before we get to Expedition Wellness, uh, Cannabis Wiki is this uh, outstanding uh, digital platform that's quickly becoming North America's like largest cannabis community. Uh, and they do everything, anything from news to PR to, uh, um, to having an app that's uh, just uh, about to explode. Having a, uh, a directory, uh, if you're looking for a cannabis store that's open um, in your neighborhood or wherever you're traveling, you just come out, take a look. Even from finding a strain uh, that you're looking for, it'll tell you where it's at. Uh, and to original content, I don't think you're going to find another platform on the internet right now that's putting out as much original content as Cannabis Wiki is, so uh, I think it's uh, something we really have to uh, have to commend Derek for uh, 
throwing together and, and yeah. working so diligently and hard on because yeah. it's fucking awesome. It awesome is. sites. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the podcasts is oh and and Janelle. Like fuck, Janelle is uh in there doing the PR. We'll talk to her in a sec when she starts talking about the news. But um <clears throat> I wanna just last thing is you have a podcast up there called Expedition Wellness. What's that all about? Yeah, so um, you know, I mean I mean, we've been trying to figure out actually what it is, right? Um, but the concept is uh really that I have a journey that I've kind of figured out a, a method. I've I'm, I'm severely impacted by disability both physically and mentally. Um, and I have risk factors. So I found out a way, like I said, I checked out on healthcare. Um, I, I, I've, I've got, I've, I've got great doctors, world leaders, and I trust what they do, but I also understand there's limitations. So I went out and found my own stuff. I built a formula. Um, I found the formula worked and built this over, you know, eight years or so and still building it using my, um, kinesiology background. Um, and basically we're going to share with, uh, consumers and specifically I'll be speaking to patients. Um, we're going to try to get, um, affordability issues, um, worked on. Um, we're going to try to find what I did. I built a system for me that works around nutrition, exercise, um, mind, body, uh, pretty much everything that you can imagine. I'm a fan of a lot of tools for patients because we're all different and we always, we all resonate to different things. But then what I did was I got it validated by a uh, accelerated resistance training machine where you're doing your max all the time and the data comes up right in front of your face. So now I can say definitely that my uh, system is actually working because I can see it on the screen. And then we're doing some uh, brain IQ agility stuff because as you know, with opioids, um, you know, con cognitive decline is something that you need to worry about. So I've got a, I've got a, a journey that I've been on and I've got a lot of great things to share and I've all, I'm also cognizant that I'm very lucky in that I see a lot of people and I mean I'm not like I'm not loaded but I'm you know I'm not financially strapped as many patients are so I know I'm lucky and I know what good service is so we're going to try to uh, create cost-effective ways to get the patients and then we'll cover my advocacy work that I do and and um, and that that's that's the show. Um, my co-host is Sandra Kudo. I think you know her uh, pretty well. So she's my healthcare professional that can get on there and actually validate some of the things that I'm saying, like we're doing here. I love it. Well, that sounds uh, super interesting. Just on the last note, if somebody's suffering from psoriatic arthritis and they're interested in finding out more information on how cannabis can help, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, me, I'm on uh, social media. I'm pretty basic. I think it's Gerald with a G, J major. Um, and I mean, you can, I'm pretty accessible on, on all these things. I can probably get creeped pretty well. All right, cool. Cause like cannabis has definitely helped you and it's changed your life. I mean, it's I, changed my life. I, mean, I would say it continues to, I, I would say that it has saved my life and it continues to change my life. Right. Um, and I can talk about it now because it's, you know, it's the new thing. So uh, all of a sudden, all these people that are kind of burnouts and opioid uh, addicts or whatever you want to classify me as, you can classify us all as the same as we've consumed uh, opioids for one reason or another. Um, so I'm right there with a lot of people and I've been discounted. I've been ignored. I've been, uh, you know, and, and rightfully so. I was uh, problem with opioids and, and specifically around impairment is I know that there's been studies done that say, 
you know, when you first get an opioid, you probably shouldn't be driving, but over time you build a tolerance to it. And I was shocked to hear that Crazy. because the difference with, and, and this is where, you know, I don't care if you are, have, are using opioids or addicted to opioids, you have a family or not, or you think you're not effective, man, you're going to get hit on, on the highway with a car with someone on opioids because with opioids, you think you're God and nothing you do is wrong. Um, so I would, I would argue the impairment thing all day long on that stuff, but, um, please don't No, I, actually that's really important. Yeah. And opioids do impact society because you did the cost analysis on this stuff. You see how many pe times people end up in hospitals. Uh, you know, what's going on with fentanyl right now. Just take a, a walk in, in Vancouver, um, uh, or downtown this, Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Brantford and, and wherever, I mean, anywhere in your local community. So, um, it's costing us money whether you want to like it or not. The problem is that people see uh, mental health, addiction, and they see how it looks and it doesn't look nice, so they turn away. So that, that's fine. You can turn away and stuff like that, but have tolerance for it and get them into, into touch with people like yourself and start that, helping them. That's um, Well, I mean, your story is, is uh, definitely inspirational to know where you came from and how it affected your entire life and to find out that cannabis was able to uh, bring back some of that life and, uh, and help with all of those things is, uh, is tremendous. And it just goes to show the nature of cannabis, the inclusivity of what cannabis can do for so many people uh, and how one medicine can affect so many, so many different uh, diseases. And, uh, and that's the paradigm shift that, that's happening now. And instead of seeing uh, nine drugs to treat one disease, we have one drug that's treating nine diseases. And, yeah. uh, and, and seeing that happen and, and you being an example of that. Uh, and, uh, and maybe check out the Psoriatic Arthritis Society. That's probably a good one as well to look through. So that's, uh, the, Canadian, that's the Canadian Spondylitis Association. Uh, there's also the Canadian Psoriasis Network. And, um, you know, go to CFAM and uh, fill out our petition. We've got about a thousand signatures at this point, probably about 1200 at, at, by now. So uh, go check out CFAM at CFAM.ca, C-F-A-M-M.ca. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, Janelle. Hey. Uh, we're, you're still staying on with us because we're, uh, we're going to do some news for the next 10 minutes before we close up. I will. Uh, I will so, Janelle. What's happening? Anything happening in the COVID post cannabis phase two? I don't know what the fuck to call this air this time oh. of the world, but what's happening in the world? Interestingly enough, I just saw an article where um, Canadian comedian Rick Mercer was basically, he went on a little rant um, telling people not to share joints. And uh, I mean, we're dealing with COVID right now, and it is something that you obviously can catch from somebody else. So he went on a rant about that. And the World Health Organization actually mentioned that if you smoke, your, if you smoke cannabis, you're actually more at risk because of the respiratory issues. So they're actually recommending that you use edibles during this time until we are kind of past COVID-19. Which is really interesting because, like, I didn't even know that until just now. So I'm gonna add, like, I'm gonna change this a little bit. Um, combustion. When we talk about smoking, uh, combustion is no good. 
Combustion could cause some lung issues. Vaporization of dried flour is totally fine. Um, there is some in increased risk of uh, of bronchitis with you know over ingestion, but uh, for the most part, you should be okay if you're vaporizing just dried flour in it. You're not using it excessively. Uh, it is a bronchodilator, can help open up your lungs, but you do have to be careful with it, and uh, and that's where I do agree. Combustion is never good, so any form of combustion, and right now, combustion in general is probably not good because it puts you at a higher risk for for a severe infection with COVID. So you definitely should stay away from that. Uh, if you are somebody who vaporizes as a medicine, because uh, uh, the variability of ingesting cannabis is so great and some people can't tolerate it, I'd say it is okay to still vaporize, uh, just uh, not excessively. And uh, of course, don't nothing over 195 degrees uh, Celsius. Um, keep it low. And uh, don't take long inhales, don't breath hold, do all the usual stuff uh, in order to keep your, your lungs as safe as possible during this time. So uh, that's, uh, that's a really good point. Awesome. So I should stop rolling this joint? I see you rolling the joint there, making everyone else jealous. <laughs> okay, well, listen, then, then let's, like, listen. Okay, so I understand the caution, and I understand, and, and I don't want to be doing this either. But I have increased my, my oil consumption. Uh, during this time, but I mean, I'm sorry, I I grew up smoking joints, and I really just uh, I need to get it going. So, right. so what 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 would I do in in be while still doing that? I mean, manuka honey and stuff. Like, give me some yeah, things that yeah. I should. I mean, we have to separate. I think the important thing to separate here is your recreational or lifestyle use of cannabis from your medicinal use of cannabis. Um, I, I'm solely talking about the, I mean, I guess as a harm, I don't want to even use as a wellness promotion. I don't like using harm reduction as a wellness promotion method. You shouldn't be combusting period. That's just right. a wellness promotion. Right. If you're using it for a medicine and it's your only way to use it, then uh, in moderation, Right, moderation and common sense will go a long way during these times, um, <clears throat> and uh, anything you can possibly do to decrease mucus uh, and to uh, improve your immunity is probably helpful at this time. You know, um, and whatever it is, there are a lot of things that can help improve your immunity. Um, you know, anywhere from specific types of mushrooms that you're using yep. or immune boosters, vitamin C, vitamin D, all those kinds of things, uh, are, uh, manuka honey, uh, all those things, um, and specific, specifically dark, uh, dark fruits uh, and berries. All right, those I things, got it covered. I those it things covered. Are, all, are, are all immune boosters. Will it keep you from getting COVID? Unlikely. Uh, will right. it improve, maybe improve your chances of having less severe disease if you do get it? Potentially. Uh, so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, just stay away from the things that potentially can cause harm at this time in particular. If you're using it as a medicine, uh, like Janelle said, you know, probably best to stay away from it and use an oil if you can. Uh, if you can't, just use it in moderation. Sound like a good idea. That sounds super technical. No, that's, that's perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the, uh, the different types of mushrooms for immune boosting. I'm on the vitamin D, vitamin C. It's all good. Um, yeah, I think I'm doing enough good things. And uh, like I said, I've probably gone down from about 12 joints a day to maybe five now. But I take um, more oils and I started doing uh, baths. 
CBD baths. So yeah, good. Thanks what else that. you got in the news, Janelle? What do you got for me? What else you got? We also, um, I've seen uh, articles about the boom in cannabis purchases since COVID-19. So in particular, Canada saw a sales peak of 22% increase in sales uh, from March 13th. So people are stockpiling cannabis. But one of the big things that we're seeing as well is that if in particular you order from the OCS, um, with Canada Post changing their protocols for delivery, your cannabis is no longer coming to your door. Oh, it's not? No, it's literally going from the warehouse straight to a Canada Post outlet. So oh. you actually have to go pick it up. However, oh, they have waived that 15-day window. So remember, like, you'd get the notice saying, like, you have 15 days to pick it up, otherwise we're sending it back to... The, um, the sender. So now they're waving that and you have to go to the outlet to pick it up because normally right now they would do ring your doorbell. If you're not there, leave the postage notice, but yeah, yeah. the post is eliminating contact during deliveries. So they would typically just drop your package at your door, but they can't do that with cannabis because you need the, your ID. Right. To Somebody has to sign page. for it. So now it's going straight from the warehouse to a Canada post um, outlet. So, That's uh, important for people. Yeah. Although, although I think there's a few services that can bypass that. Um, yeah. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good to know. It's something I, I sure certainly didn't know. I think it makes sense, though. You want you don't want somebody. I guess the, somebody has to sign for it, waiving the 15 days in case they're in isolation for 15 days, right. and then they can come out. I mean, I, I think that that makes sense. Actually, that's huge. That's that's important to know. I didn't know. I did not know. And I think also that the, uh, you know, the sales are going up because there's all this panic and fear. I think something we have to remember is we're a lot fucking smarter than this, um, than this, uh, 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 um, molecule is than COVID is, you know, it's, uh, it's a piece of RNA. It's like, uh, it's, it, it's not even alive. It's literally, it doesn't have, it is, doesn't think it doesn't, it doesn't act well, the way it works is basically it, it has a genetic code and its genetic code is going to tell it what to do. And what I've been saying for the last couple of weeks is that us humans can think beyond our genetic code and we can invent and we can create and we can and, and we we're going to come up with cures and we're going to come up with ways to 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 beat it because we can think above and beyond the way that it thinks it doesn't think it just acts and things that just act and don't think they usually lose so uh we we have to respect it because it's dangerous and scary and all this other shit but we're smarter than it is yeah. so uh we're going we're going to definitely beat it it's just going to be we have to be smart and not not dumbasses in the meantime, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I I think, like you're saying, you know, you take your precautions, but you don't necessarily have to go into panic mode. And yeah. I think that's one of the things, like, my myself and my family, that we've kind of, we are, we're taking the precautions, but we're not stockpiling, we're not hoarding. It, because you, I mean, if the supply chain is still there, things are still going into stores, you just kind of have to take it day by day because the panic doesn't help <laughs> Let's um, just, I, 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 sorry, I keep talking, but just quickly on that, remember, I mean, the stockpiling thing has trickle-down effect to patients, right? Yeah. Uh, we are not yet at a place where we've got inventory control and blah, blah, blah. So um, 
Just just to just to put that out there, we saw it with legalization. Yeah. I've seen a lot of patients actually mention that online that they're unable to get what they need because people are stockpiling and that's really sad. So stop the stockpiling. Anything else going on in the news? Well, one other thing that I saw that was interesting is that while we're here talking about getting supplies, there are communities in Canada that are like completely isolated, right? So like how are they getting the medical cannabis and the supplies out there. So it was interesting to see that um, there are some changes and people are actually using drones to supplies into these communities. And I thought, well, that's kind of, I mean, it's not that we're at this point, but it's really cool that we're using drones to deliver things like medical cannabis and other medical supplies to these communities that are so isolated, right? That's crazy. They're like, they're like, here comes your drop of cannabis. Like who would have thought this would have happened? Like, like even two years ago, that's insane. Wow. That's where like up in, I have a friend who's pra who practices medicine. One of the docs who works at our clinic, she goes up North to like innovate for like a week, every couple of months, totally isolated, small little places. And, uh, it's just uh, tremendous to see what's going on out there. That's crazy. They're sending drones out there. I just, you know, I worry about all uh, people everywhere. Just uh, be careful and stay safe. Yeah. All right. You know, there's I, just yeah, on yeah. that, there is another option as well for the rural hard to reach areas. And hopefully it's going to get some traction through this, um, this crisis. But it's actually being deployed right now out in uh, Vancouver to assist with the opioid crisis. It's age-gated uh, vending machines, uh, dispension so there, uh, that's age gating, which can apply to opioids, which can help with the fentanyl and the deaths and um, cannabis is age gated and alcohol is age gated. So this has many um, applicable, it's just, uh, you know, everyone is focused on uh, Build-A-Bear and um, we can actually provide some better services and care. So, I, I mean, I think those are good points. We're going to have to think of all innovative, uh, innovative ways to deal with, uh, with, with distribution of all medicines at this point in time and who knows when it's going to end. I mean, I just saw that article that, that uh, Trudeau saying, you know, earliest is July. Um, so I was going for hoping for June, but maybe July is when, when we get through it. Uh, anyways, I wanted to thank you guys so much for being here. I think that's it for our show today. Uh, just a couple things that I wanted to, uh, to, uh, to mention, you know, things to, in summary, I think one of the things that we have to remember is that there's other diseases. There's, uh, the rest of the world hasn't stopped just cause COVID is here. Uh, and we can't forget about things like the opioid crisis that is still happening. It's still a pandemic and multiple people are still dying from that. Stay safe, be inside, uh, social or physical distancing is really important. Now mental health, staying on top of your game is also important. Janelle, I'm super happy that you're part of the show now, and uh, I love it. And uh, and Gerald, it was awesome having you on. Everybody, stay safe. Don't forget to check out Cannabis Wiki. Don't forget to check out uh, my socials. You can go on uh, 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 Instagram, Doctor Price, and check out Synergy Health Services. Just the last thing to mention is we no longer. Uh, are we, we're ever doing everything virtually now. Our clinics are fully virtual. You no longer need a referral to see us. We're trying to decrease the barriers to access during this uh, pandemic, and we're taking all the steps needed. So uh, uh, just give us a call. Go on the website, synergyhealthservices.ca. Make an appointment. Uh, call us up. We'll get you in. 
All right, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for being around. And on behalf of everybody at the higher state, have an awesome day. Peace. All right. Thanks, bro.